0: I.V.M. Ever encountered a child who seems to be opposing every single rule in the house? Are you exhausted by the constant power struggles that never seem to end with your child? Do you wonder if you're doing it all wrong? Welcome to this episode of Big Talk About Tiny Humans, a podcast for parents and educators. And on this episode, we talk about raising strong-willed children. Almost every job in the world requires training, except parenting.
1: You need to learn parenting
0: on the job, and that can be really hard. Here on Big Talk About Tiny Humans, we want to help you navigate the world of parenting better and make your lives a little bit easier. Hi, I'm Meghna. And hi, I'm Devi Shobha. Every week, we bring you the best research on parenting, top tips from experts,
1: and actionable strategies to confront the numerous
0: challenges that all parents and educators face. So let's get started, shall we? So Meghna, a few months back, I heard from one of our readers and she wanted to talk to me about an issue she had with one of her children. She was a mom of two kids and she had a middle schooler who was excellent at academics, but she was completely unfathomable to her family. She was great when she went out, but at home, she would be like, nobody could understand her. Nobody could get her to do anything any rule that the family had had to be broken by her. There was nothing that the family could do to make her eat what was made, to make her follow a healthy pattern, a healthy routine. Nothing that they could tell or do could make her do anything that, you know, seemingly felt good for her. And the mom was baffled and uh, she got in touch with me to, you know, understand what she could do. I mean, what are some things that she might have, she was terrified that she was doing something wrong, right? Because parents usually go through mm-hmm. that. So in your experience from counseling and therapy, have you also come across such behavior? How often do you come across such uh, behavior that we usually term as difficult behavior, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, But actually, I understand that it is actually very strong-willed children. How can parents recognize this difficult behavior? I think that's a very good question because a lot of people might
1: term their kids as difficult, but it's actually a very negative label to be giving to anyone. And that's why we refer to kids who are a handful to their parents as strong-willed. And strong-willed kids can actually be handful. They are usually high energy. They're very, very challenging. They display what we call as negative persistence. And they have certain characteristics that usually set them against are the children who are seen as more easygoing, right? So strong-willed kids are the kids who really, you know, exactly in the example that you just described, they push hard against their parents' rules and authority. They require a lot of guidance and they don't respond to the disciplining methods that seem to work with other children. They usually, and that's the thing with strong-willed kids, if you tell them that this is what happens, you know, if you do A, B will happen, right? Cause and effect. They don't usually buy that. They need to experience the consequences themselves. They will need to see it for themselves before they can learn the lessons that we're really trying to teach them. And unfortunately, strong-willed kids bring out extreme reactions in others, especially their parents, their siblings, their peers, even their teachers. And that's why a lot of in my own therapy practice, whenever I've seen strong-willed children, by the time the parents reach us, you know, everybody is exhausted, exasperated, like this client of mine, this seven-year-old, let's call her Pinky, little things would set her off. She would refuse to take no for an answer. She would just not listen to her parents or her teacher. She would turn up her nose at anything her parents requested her to do. She would argue with anyone if she thought that there was a chance of getting things to work out her way. And she was willing to use drama, rudeness, disrespect, whatever she believed will help her win her case right and so when her parents came to me of course they were exhausted they were almost on the verge of marital counseling living with her they said felt like riding a roller coaster and her parents would alternate between punishing her or giving in to her demands depending on how tired or worn down they were at that particular time but nothing seemed to make any difference right so this is what how, you know, in, in the family where you have a strong-willed child, the dynamics can, you know, sort of shape up. But, you know, let me say that that strong-willed kids can develop into dynamic and cooperative and responsible individuals. They just need a different
0: kind of disciplining style. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Meghna, for such a wonderful explanation of what constitutes difficult behavior and how we can reframe it to strong will. And uh, we will be back after the break to discuss more on how parents react and respond to such behavior, what kind of behavior is generally expected and seen and how we react and respond and also ways to seek help and aid in handling such behavior and build a very strong bond with these kids and how to turn this into an advantage to build very strong family bonds with such children. So be back after the break. Welcome back to the episode of Raising Strong Willed Children. Megna. that was a wonderful way to explain you know, what goes on with difficult, seemingly difficult behavior and how parents can recognize such behavior. I think one of the most common challenges, and I think this is the biggest challenge of raising strong-willed children, is that parents face a lot of judgment from uh, their families, you know, external families, their extended families, their friends. It also becomes a dreadful experience to actually take their children on outings or to mingle with other people. It just... Becomes too much of a stressful thing, right? It almost feels like the space is contracted because of all the pressure of being judged, right? Yes. So, uh, what are the common ways that parents usually react and respond to such behavior? And, uh, you know, first of all, the challenge of the strong willed child themselves, and then also the reaction and the response to the judgment. What do you see happening here usually?
1: Okay. So what I see usually happening is parents would typically try to fight their strong-willed child, right? They would try to control them. They would try to be a very uh, authoritarian kind of approach, right? Because I said so, and you should do this, but that's not a good idea usually because that results in power struggles. Mm. And then they usually end up getting exhausted and weary and tired. And they just sort of say, you know what, I'm just, you know, by the time it's morning and by the time I son or daughter is out of the door, I am ready for a nap, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that exhausting, right? So then in that case, when they're tired, they just give in and let their children control them, let their strong-willed child control them. And as you can guess that both of these typical patterns of responding and reacting, you know, going about in a dance of first controlling, then giving in, then controlling again, then giving in, and this is not healthy at all, okay? And it usually helps to accept that your child's strong will is a fact of life. And when you do that, you're able to make your peace with it. You'll learn better ways to be able to guide your child down a healthy path. Okay, because it's very difficult, right? The traits of a strong will child can drive many parents very, very crazy. And as you said, yeah, the judgment that comes with it, right? Parents constantly fear that my child's behavior can set off anytime, anywhere, and therefore I should not take my child there and I should not take my child here. So as you said, the, the circle sort of shrinks for them. And to that, you know, I usually tell the parents, you know, and this is really true, irrespective of whether or not you have a strong-willed child. I usually tell parents, I know you've been socialized to believe that your child's behavior is a reflection on your parenting, but it's not. Your child's behavior is not a reflection on your parenting, whether your child is throwing tantrums, whether your child is tearing off notebook, whether your child is jumping up and down. You know what is a reflection on your parenting? Your parenting is defined by how you respond to your child's behavior, not your child's behavior in itself. So if you choose to remain calm, if you choose to not enter into power struggles, if you choose to set clear, calm, firm limits, which I think we'll be talking about, right, when we talk about how to deal with what are the different ways in which we can discipline strong-willed children. We'll talk about that in greater detail then. But the point is that your your parenting is not, you know, your, child's, your strong-willed child's behavior does not reflect on your parenting. Your response does. Your response to their behavior.
0: Yeah. Right, I can so relate to that. In fact, uh, I met uh, a lady a few years back and she related an incident from her childhood where you had mentioned that the sibling thing, right? It is so real that when she told me, she actually told me an incident from her, not incident, but actually what used to happen every single day at her home. Her uh, sister was a, a very slow eater and she was a very fussy eater. So her mom used to make a rule that Uh, you know, everybody at the table can only get up after she finishes, right? Some some kind of a rule like that. So this lady, as a child, she used to finish her fast and still had to wait at the table for a very long time. And, uh, you know, she still remembered that and she was like, she still had uh, a resentful feeling, you know, about that particular thing, right? Mm. So definitely the sibling thing is something that cannot be ignored. And I have an example you know, from my childhood as well, where uh, one of my uh, sister's teachers, my sister was uh, kind of a strong-willed child herself. And she was very fidgety, very active, you know, basically very, very active. And she was a, a preschooler, like, a, you know, just just entered school for her very first experience in the classroom. And she couldn't follow the instructions. So she just kind of, you know, moved at her will and everything. And the teacher kind of, you know, slapped her. And she slapped her back. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) so you know it just doesn't help this kind of force with uh, such strong-willed children doesn't help at all and it definitely baffles the other children and the other people involved right you know what how can we handle this but you know as science goes also sometimes feels that it is actually good to have a strong-willed child because then you have some people in your life that do not want to follow the lead of others, right? They want to, you know, force their own path and just be on their own, be leaders, you know, be independent. So, yeah, I get uh, what you said. So, how can we help parents differentiate between, you know, special needs and difficult behavior? Because that seems to also be, uh, you know, crossing boundaries there. can you well, yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's a good question. Because, you know, the kind of description that you were giving right now, she's hyperactive, and she's having troubles at school, can so be often be mistaken for hyperactivity as well. And that's what usually happens. And, and so therefore, a a good clear cut way of sort of differentiating the two would be that uh, special needs are commonly defined by what the child can't do. So, You know, any kind of developmental delay or a medical condition or even a psychiatric condition, any kind of congenital condition. So anything from a, you know, a chronic uh, diabetes to ADHD to autism to cerebral palsy to learning disabilities to food allergies to obesity falls in the rubric of special needs okay and as you would have guessed that's completely different from strong will behavior which is basically a certain temperament of the child in children we don't talk in terms of personality because personality keeps evolving till the age of 18 years in children we talk in terms of temperament and it is this temperament with which leads to this high energy and persistent and challenging behavior so strong will is actually very different from special needs
0: right can you also give us some strategies for parents to, uh, you know, handle such behavior, you know, on an everyday basis? Because like you said, it can be very, very exhausting and exasperating for parents. And sometimes they also end up feeling terribly guilty about themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. they're just kind of forever wondering, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. Right? Why, yeah. why us kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think at the outset, you know, before I take a deep dive into the strategies, I would like to just say to all the parents who are listening to this out there, and especially if you're raising a strong willed child, you know, hang in there. You're doing a terrific job. You are just amazing. And you are the chosen one for your child. You're the best person to raise your child. And uh, of course, it's difficult, but we are going to discuss some strategies right now, which hopefully will help you. But I must underline this also at the outset. It is extremely important if you find yourself feeling exhausted, feeling not able to cope. If you think your family dynamic is suffering, your other child is suffering, your marital relationship is suffering, it's a very good idea to seek professional help. But I'll talk about it in a bit. So let's come to the strategies that, you know, one can use to manage. Strong-willed kids, and to bring out the best in them, and one of the first strategies is what I kind of already mentioned: is understand and accept that strong-willed kids are experiential learners. Mm. That means they have to see for themselves if the stuff is hot, right? Mm. So, of course, you'd be worried about a serious injury. So, unless you have some life-threatening situation or situation which they can seriously get hurt, it is more effective to let them learn through experience instead of trying to control them, Mm -hmm. right? And you can, of course, expect your strong will child to test your limits repeatedly. But then that's how he learns. Once you know that and once you accept that, it's much easier to stay calm. And that in itself, you know, that first step of acceptance in itself will avoid the wear and tear on your relationship and on your nerves. Because trust me, by the time parents in India usually come to, uh, to seek a professional help, their child is already a teenager, the family dynamic is completely, you know, skewed. And it's very, very difficult by that time, right? Right. So it's the earlier you accept that my child is a strong willed child, the earlier that understanding will come in that you know what, that's the way he or she is, and I just have to uh, adopt a different disciplining style. Okay. And going along with this one of the very, very, very important thing that actually strong-willed children respond to is routines and limits, right? And this is also the way you can avoid power struggles, right? So if you set clear, calm, firm limits, you are not the bad guy bossing them around anymore. It's just that, you know what? Our schedule is lights out at 8 p.m. So if you hurry, we'll have time for two more books. Or in our house, we finish homework before screen time. And no matter what And your child will try to argue, your child will try to, you know, dilly dally, your child will try to break this limit, test this limit, test your patience, but do not budge from a pre-decided limit. When you use limits, you have to make sure that they are clear limits, they are calm limits, which means you're not shouting out, barking out orders and limits in a fit of anger, and that they're firm, which means that no matter how much there's power struggle and argument, you're not budging from your limit, right? And it's very important to be specific because I've heard a lot of parents say things like, oh, come on, get your act together. Is this the way to behave? What are you doing? You you don't say something vague like this. You say something specific like, put your Legos away before you go outside to play. I am standing right here. Something like that, right? You you make it very specific. And, And when your child does flout these limits, it's very important that you set consequences. So for example, it's a teen and you mutually decide with your teen that he has to return home at 6.30, but he of course doesn't comply with this, this limit. And so the consequence is that you temporarily revise the return time to 5.30. And until your child can display that they are able to return home at the mutually agreed upon time, that you, know, you will not revise the time and go you know, make it extended to 6.30, right? So using routines and limits, of course, immensely helpful. Another strategy is, of course, I don't know to what extent parents listening to this would agree, but actually it's very important to acknowledge your child's point of view. Mm. I know it sounds weird, like really, I mean, my child would just argue on anything, but really, I mean, they're called strong-willed for a reason. They have a viewpoint and there's something that's making them hold on to their position. You know, your child is trying to protect something that seems important to them, right? So only when you actually listen calmly uh, to your child and you reflect On her words, will you come to understand what's making her oppose you? So I'll give you a little example of this, a little like three-year-old who uh, would always get into these massive power struggles over a shower. Okay. And uh, so I suggested to the parent that, do you know what is the problem? Like, why is she so resistant? What is the reason why she just doesn't want to take a shower? And the parent was like, I don't know. She fights everything, and I don't know. Blah blah blah. Okay, right? So, so I was like, okay, let's just just the next time she opposes it, just say that you know what, try to acknowledge her, her, you know, what she's saying. Just so just say. So the parent ended up saying, I hear that you you know don't want to take a shower. You know, can you just tell me more about why? And very calmly. Very calmly. And she was actually surprised that her child said that she's afraid that she will go down the drain. Wow. (laughs) And she would not have, the mother would not have guessed this reason because most of the time in fighting over a Shabo was spent in power struggle. And when she actually took a step back and acknowledged her position and actually very calmly asked her, Peter, what is the issue? Three-year-old, in whatever little language that she had, said that no, I go down drain. I am scared. And that is not the anxiety that she was showing. She was showing defiance. She right. was showing, oh, I don't want to because I don't want to, you know. Exactly. Like that, right? So that's the point, right? So when you have a certain information about your child, yeah, consider how you, if that was your reason, how would you have wanted to be treated? Right. right. And then treat your child accordingly. Yeah. Right? So acknowledging their point of view is very important, of course. The next strategy is offering respect, offering empathy by giving lots and lots of choices. What choices, you may ask, right? The child has to brush their teeth. The child has to get dressed for school. What, what choices is this? Choices Offering choices to a child means that you are respectful of their point of view. You don't think that they are crazy or wrong. Um, and you can meet them, you know, half the way, right? Or like, for example, you say that we have to go to the store right now. Okay, but your child wants to keep playing. So an appropriate choice would be do you want to leave now or in 10 minutes? Exactly. So yeah. it's not really a choice in that sense because yeah. you're not telling your child, you know what, you can do whatever you want. You're still giving a choice within limits. And then you say, okay, 10 minutes with no... Suppose your child says, okay, in 10 minutes because they're busy playing. So you say, okay, 10 minutes with no fuss.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. let's shake on it. Or and, do you want to wear the blue blue shoes or the pink shoes? Something or the pink like ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah.
1: since it would be hard to stop playing in 10 minutes, how can I help you then? Yeah, so this is a very respectful way of sort of approaching the situation, rather than saying, you know, what you have to come to the store. You only told me that you want to go to the store. Yeah. I said so. And, you know, getting into yeah, that's just too power much struggle.
0: information for the yeah. child. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah.
1: even for an older child, even for yeah. an older child, yeah. basically, basically, what we need to it's understand, just,
0: yeah,
1: which is difficult to understand, is that most strong-willed children are fighting for respect, and if we offer it to them they don't need, they don't have the need to fight to protect their
0: position anymore, right? Yeah, they don't need that validation to, I mean, I think they need that validation to hear themselves out and the validation that they have been heard and uh, they have a point yeah. of view and they have a place in the family. I think most of yes, them, exactly, yes, exactly, right? Yeah, so it's, yes. it's like you know, I my opinion doesn't even matter, I feel this way, and I have nobody to hear it out. Yeah. And that's what grows into something hard and yeah. very uh, difficult to manage and break, right? Yes, uh, whereas if the culture of uh, respect and empathy and respectful communication is inculcated within the family culture, then it becomes. So much easier. And this is exactly what we also spoke about in our episode of family conflicts as well. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. work only for the kids in the case of strong will kids, but also in any other family conflict, right? The respectful yeah. communication, the gives a formula that we, uh, you know, chalked out, right? Yeah. yeah. So here in this case, you say that you have one more thing, right? Or you have done... Yeah, I, I would just, yeah, I just wanted to emphasize,
1: yeah, I just wanted to emphasize professional health because yeah. what happens Shobha in the Indian context. By the time the parents reach the door of a mental health professional, it could be a counselor, it could be a clinical psychologist, it could be a psychiatrist, they are usually so worn down. They are, you know, their family, you know, the very rubric of their family has been sort of torn apart or perforated. And uh, they just find it extremely difficult to cope with anything. Their jobs might suffer, their marriage might suffer, their other relationships might suffer as well. So it becomes like a very unhealthy kind of a dynamic. And so, therefore, I would like to use this opportunity to really request parents. You know what? You're not overthinking this. There is no stigma in contacting a clinical psychologist or a counselor or a psychiatrist. It is okay to seek help, even if maximally what will happen? The professional will say, oh, there's nothing wrong. It's, It's all fine. Go back home. Right. Yeah. But it is extremely important if you are struggling, if you are not unable to manage, and there's no shame in admitting that. You know what? I'm not able to manage. I mean, I'm a parenting coach, and there are days when I struggle with parenting, and it's okay. I mean, I'm not supposed to know it all, even though I'm a coach. I'm supposed to know it all. I'm still not supposed to know it all because yeah. the kids don't come with a manual. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I would I would strongly emphasize counseling and I would strongly emphasize, you know, seeking, going to a certified mental health professional and certified. I mean, there are a lot of people in this, this field who claim to be counselors and psychologists who are really not. So be wary of that as well great thank you
0: megna so i will just uh, go over the points that you have given us so great so one is you suggest that we have uh, we seek professional counseling you know from from professionals and uh, you know get some professional advice to understand how we can approach this better right so counseling and then setting routines and limits you know, to avoid these power struggles and manage them better. So counseling for C, L for limits, and then E for giving the space for experiential learning, you know, for these children. So that is E. And then we have A, that is acknowledging their point of view, validating their feelings and their Reasoning, right? So acknowledgement and then offering respect and empathy through choice. Give choices wherever possible and allow them reasonable amount of space. And you know it's just a way of saying just pick your battles, right? So it is uh, clear, so again, once again, it is counseling where required, Set limits, L for limits, E for experiential learning, A for acknowledgement, and then R for offering respect and empathy through choice. Right. And may I just say that this is such an apt
1: mnemonic because clear is actually a really important tip in itself to the kind of limits that you want to set for your child. They need to be absolutely clear for your, especially your strong-willed child. Because for a relatively easygoing child, if you say, you know what, I want you to do X, Y, Z, or you know, I you know clean your room. That's actually very vague for a strong will child because right. they will use all reasons to stall, make excuses, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you can't get away with not
0: using clear communication with a strong-willed child. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, uh, this is so important to remember that sometimes reframing it is so important and having the strong-willed child is actually a blessing because that means that you have a born leader, you have somebody who has the courage and the spirit to take an independent path, irrespective of what the others are doing, you have a born leader. So it's just up to us to channel all that energy and that vision and all the will in the child and just bond with them and understand them as people. So, you know, this I love that Shubha, because I would just like to add something to what you're already saying. I think
1: this is one group of kids which would never bow down to peer pressure. Yeah, and that is absolute. such a big plus, you know, when uh, your child turns a teenager, you don't have to spend sleepless nights worrying over oh whether whether they'll start drinking and smoking under the, you know, yeah. because of being pressurized by their peers. That's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, yeah absolutely.
1: So, yeah, so I mean, I can't emphasize how important it is to reframe and also look at the strengths that your child yeah. is displaying. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Dr. Meghna, for being here. Thank you. So that's our episode for today. Thank you for listening to Big Talk About Tiny Humans, our podcast for parents and educators. Hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to share it with your friends and family. Listen and subscribe to Big Talk About Tiny Humans on the IVM Podcasts app, website and all major audio
0: platforms. We are available everywhere. You can follow us on social media and online. Meghna is at the Therapist Mommy on Instagram and YouTube. And you can check out her website, RaisingFamilyAcademy.com for a transformative course on raising a child with emotional intelligence. And Devi Shuba is
1: at KidsKintha on Twitter and Instagram. And check out KidsKintha.com for in-depth articles and events on parenting and child development. While
0: you're at it, do also check out other great shows from the IVM Podcasts Network at shows.ivmpodcasts.com and IVM is on social media at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll catch you again on our next episode.